Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Get it checked, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? Take your best shot. I'ma take the last shot. I'm Jordan in the clutch, boy. You bitting on me? It's time to get it checked, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? Alrighty, guys, we are here for another episode of the Auto Bid. My name is Aaron Robinson, and I'm joined, as always, by my twin brother Andrew Robinson. Today, we got two familiar friends of the Auto Bid. We got our former coaches at Coppin State, Coach John Oslander, and another former assistant coach at Coppin State, current assistant coach, our former coach, Charles Agumagu. So, guys, thanks for coming on with us today, man. Super excited to have you guys on the show. Do some reminiscing, man, and talk about the program you guys got going on at Coppin State. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you guys having us. No problem, man. So, first first foremost, obviously, you know, we want to give the viewers some background on you, on you guys and what brought you guys to Coppin State. So, you know, we'll start with Coach John. Obviously, you know, you played at Maryland, had an opportunity to coach at Maryland, spent time with the main Red Claws, and now you're the associate head coach at Coppin State, man. So talk a little bit about, about your basketball journey, you know, and, and what's brought you to Coppin State today. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, I met Coach Juan back in 2013-14 when he joined the staff at Maryland. I was a senior as a player there. Um, actually, one of our first interactions, um, I think I dove on a loose ball or took a charge or something in practice, and he goes, you know, I come to the side. He says, man, you remind me of myself, only less talented. Um, <laughs> from there, we, you know, we started to build a bond, uh, you know, just always talking about the game, you know, talking about our vision for when we finally got our own college program. Um, you know, we stayed in touch when I, you know, joined the main Red Claws, uh, talking on the phone multiple times a day, um, you know, continued to talk about, you know, this opportunity and when, you know, that day would come. And then the Coppin State job opened up, you know, started helping Coach Juan, you know, prepare his portfolio, prepare for interviews. Um, you know, I was actually about to get on a plane to the G League Eastern Conference Finals, and he called me and told me he got the job. Um, and as soon as we finished up in, with Maine, you know, I got on the first thing, the first flight possible back here and started getting to work. So, Sure, man. What about you, Coach Charlie? We know you obviously had an opportunity to play at Bear University, a very successful program at the Division II level. Um, and then was able to, to get a coaching opportunity and have been at, you know, obviously Coppin State for four years. You were able to get a, a job at the D1 one level at an extremely young age, you know, and now you're – Four years into coaching at Coppin State, man. So talk, talk to us, you know, about your journey. What brought you here to Coppin today? Hey, man, it, man it's been a, a blessing every time I look back on it and I try to reminisce on it. And I, I thank Coach Estes and uh, Coach Fur, Coach Ryan Saunders, guys that I played for, Coach Mike Bradley, excuse me, guys that I played for at Barry University. And I didn't even do a lot of playing. I did a lot of watching. So, uh, nonetheless, I think, I think it prepped me for – life after basketball, quote-unquote, when the ball starts bouncing. But I was very fortunate to get hired right out of school um, at 22 years old at St. Thomas University, which is an NAIA school in Miami Gardens. 
And it, it was really just kind of guy making connections, right? I was interning there for the AD to finish my degree audit. And myself and former head coach Patrick Gale built a relationship and he offered me an opportunity and it, it beat working at Publix. So uh, no disrespect to anyone that works at Publix. So I definitely <laughs> I took that opportunity. Uh, after a year there at St. Thomas University, man, I was very, very fortunate to meet former assistant coach Phil Gattano, um, who then got me in contact with Coach John Auslander, who got me in contact with Coach Juan Dixon. And I just remember at 23, leaving leaving Miami, literally, man, I had this one big suitcase and I just leaving Miami. And having done most of my life in Miami since I was three, right? So that's what, two decades you, you leaving behind, man. It was It was scary, but incredibly grateful for the opportunity like guys with the basketball acronym of coach john uh coach phil at the time and coach dixon like that it doesn't happen in this business especially on this level where i had no i didn't play division basketball i had no like interaction with these with these men prior to a few conversations and man i'm just so blessed to be here and entering year five like wow time flies i feel old as hell time flies uh, for sure, man. And, um, man, I, I definitely want to ask you guys, man, because, um, you know, you guys are coming off, you know, arguably, you know, the the, the best season that, that you guys have had uh, at Coppin State thus far. You guys were the MEAC North Division champions this year, um, you know, had a very successful season. Um, Coach John, man, just talk, talk about just, you know, looking back on this season and kind of what you take from it. Obviously, I remember watching that first game you guys played this year at Duke, and, I mean, we thought y'all was going to pull that game out for a little bit, man. I mean, ended up losing that game by 10 points. But, I mean, I think it said a lot for, for a team from the MEAC to be able to go into Cameron Indoor and, and play Duke, you know, that that tough. But, I mean, looking back on this season, I mean, what are your thoughts on um, this past season and kind of where you guys have been able to bring the program um, over, over the years? Yeah, man. I mean, this last season was awesome. Um, you know, first off, I was so proud of our guys. Uh COVID, you know, we had no issues COVID related, you know, no games. We, you know, no, no positive tests throughout the whole season. Our guys, you know, sacrificed and, you know, so that we could have, you know, the game at Cameron Indoor, you know, the big UNCG win at home. And then, you know, to go on into the North Division, go three and one against Norfolk, who eventually ended up winning the MEAC tournament. Um, you know, it was just an awesome season. In terms of the progression of the program, you know, we, we've improved every year. Every season we've gotten better. Um, you know, it started with laying the foundation of our culture and then the development of the players that we were bringing in. Um, you know, we've improved as recruiters. Each year we've raised the bar with the talent that we brought in. And we really started to realize that we needed to take advantage of transfers and being able to bring in, you know, proven talent like, like yourselves, Ace and Drew. Um, you know, I really think that we started to turn a corner your guys have seen season 2019-20. Um, you know, I point to the Loyola Chicago win. At Loyola Chicago, you know, we hadn't won a non-conference D1 game yet up to that point as a staff. Um, and from there, I really think we took off. You know, we beat Cornell at home, beat JM, you know, dominated JMU on the road, dominated ECU on the road. And unfortunately, you know, we had some injuries at that, you know, after that point. But then, you know, Ace, you know, you came back, you know, Kamar came back and we finished the season on three straight wins. Um, you know, that 2019-20 year. And we were ready for Norfolk in that MEAC tournament game. We were ready. And I think that showed this year when we went 3-1 and one against them. Um, you know, so just we came a long way as a program, as a staff, you know, in terms of, you know, building our culture, recruiting, development, um, you know, and we're just really excited for what the future has in store. 
Now, Coach Charles, you know, I mean, obviously a big part of this season was, you know, Anthony and then the Tark, you know, obviously two Montgomery County guys, um, like me and Drew, obviously who this year had amazing seasons. Obviously, you know, Anthony Tark was able to win the Player of the Year award in the MEAC and the Defensive Player of the Year award in the MEAC. And the Tark was able to win the Rookie of the Year in the MEAC. I don't know if that's ever happened where you have two brothers to sweep the Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Rookie of the Year in the same conference uh, in the same season. I mean, that's something that is, you know, extremely, extremely remarkable. I mean, just you know, talk about what those two guys brought to your team this season and how, you know, they were able to, to impact you guys uh, this year, both on the offensive and defensive side of the floor, and just the, uh, them as well as people and, and the effect that they've had, you know, on your program. Special. Those two are special people. And alluding to what Coach John said, man, that 2019-20 season was really the turning, the turning point, right, being able to get you to commit and believe in, in our process and in our system, right, and what we feel is the right way to play the game of basketball helped a long way, right? You too, Coach John, did a great job, right, with attacking Anthony Tark and identifying Nenda Tark. And he said something about being better recruiters. I'll, I'll even challenge Coach John and say, I think we're better evaluators than we are recruiters, right? Because if, if you had an, an – no disrespect, if you had an ACC logo slapped on my chest, I could walk in any gym and I, I, I'll be in a recruiting battle with any Power 5 program, right? But but it's something to identify Nenda Tark, evaluate Nenda Tark, and say, you know what? In a year, in a year and a half, in two years, he's going to be first team all conference, right? So I think we're even better eva um, evaluators. But those two young men are special, man. Clearly, they, they had their own gifts, but they came in and they really worked. They they, they really did. They worked. Um, Coach John was with Anthony Tark all the time, and then the Tark. I remember when we we couldn't even get into uh, Coppin's gym. Right, Coach John would drive like an hour, hour and a half to meet them and work, like work out in the church, man. And but building that connection, right? Building the relationship, building the equity in which now we can hold you accountable. And and those guys just they, they wanted it. They wanted it for Anthony Tark to essentially rebuild himself, right? Like rebrand himself. Like I can play this game at a high level. To win MEAC Player of the Year, to win MEAC Defensive Player of the Year. And for his brother, Nenda Tark, right, to surprise a lot of people and be rookie of the year, that, they're special. But more importantly, they're great people. They, they really are great people. Like, I, I, we have a ton of fun coaching them and having fun with them, even off the court. Like, Nenda, he's, he's actually – he might be the funniest player we've ever coached. And he hasn't told one joke. It's just his mannerism, <laughs> his demeanor. He, he's awesome. I know, Coach John, you can allude to that. The, the kid just, is awesome. Positive energy every day, man. Then just Nenda and Anthony are awesome. Um, special. Special kids. Just to piggyback off of Coach Charles, you know, with Anthony, he could have came in and chased numbers and, you know, dominated the ball offensively. You know, but from day one, he bought in. You know, we told him, your foot into the door at the next level is to be the most dominant defensive player in the country. Um, you're going to guard one through five because it's going to add value to who you are as a player at the next level. And he bought in from day one, uh, you know, defensively. I would argue he was me at defensive player of the year, but you can make an argument he was the most dominant defensive player in the country, three steals a game, two blocks, and did it by executing our principles, not by chasing steals, chasing blocks, you know, and taking himself out of position, but by playing the right way. Offensively, playing in flow, being an elite cutter, his timing on his slot cuts, and buying into those things, not just always isolating or taking whatever shot he pleases, but playing the right way. And that led to him being MEAC Player of the Year. And I mean, just as recently as today, 
texting me about the Cavs being in the workout, talking about how they love his IQ, his feel, you know, his ability to pass the ball. So just, you know, seeing that come to fruition for him, you know, is really rewarding. Um, and, you know, Nenda, he's a steal, man. Uh, he, <laughs> he's awesome. He was played as an undersized, you know, forward in high school a ton, but, you know, didn't really get to show his ability to shoot the ball to three or play out on the perimeter. But, you know, he showed flashes of it here and there. Like Coach Charles said, we've grown as evaluators. We saw how he could translate his game to the perimeter and how his jumper, his mechanics look good. He shot it as a high clip from three as a freshman. Um, and he's just scratching the surface, man. This was his first year really playing as a guard, playing and picking a role as a ball handler, and he's got a chance to be really special. So, sure. And then, as Coach Charles said, they're great young men, you know, which and, is the most important thing. And to piggyback of Coach John, man, you give me Anthony Tark, bring, bring whatever, give me the best offensive player in the ACC. Let's see if he got one through five like Anthony Tark can. Bring the best offensive player. Like, I'm taking Anthony Tark 10 out of 10 times because no I know he's, gonna out, he's going to outwork everybody. Right. And he's not going to try to do it just because oh, it looks good. He's going to buy and do it the right way. So give me Anthony Tark 10 out of 10 times. Sure, man. And um, this is something I, I want to definitely touch on, man. I think it's, it's important to, to mention, man. And um, I know one of the big things that when you guys recruit me and, and my brother last summer was like, you know, this NBA principles, man. And like and. It sounds good, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of coaches will say that, you know, we, we are gained trailer to the next level, but it's another thing when you actually can put it to film, you know, and you can see the slot cuts. And even the things that we work on in, in the game, you know, the way we defend, the way we ice ball screens, the way we X out on the weak side and so on and so forth. And obviously, um, obviously like, like, like Ace mentioned, Coach John, you had opportunity to coach um, with the main Red Claws in the G League. But you know, talk about kind of that aspect. And even, you know, Coach, I know he's not on the podcast with us today. He could probably you know, speak to this as well. I know obviously him, you know, playing in the NBA for, for eight years, nine years, like he did, um, has lots to, 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 to do it as well. But talk about kind of why you guys chose to play that way. Because um, it's unique. And, I mean, you guys, Coach, Coach says all the time, man, I mean, we're the only team that plays just NBA principles. So, I mean, I really want to talk about that because – People don't really know unless you watch a Coppin State basketball game that like we really do play that way. You know what I'm saying? From the film to the hand. I mean, and, I mean, I'm gonna let you guys talk about it more, but I kind of definitely want to touch on that and kind of let the world know where that came from. Yeah, no, I appreciate you bringing that up. So, you know, I think it started, you know, from my time with the main Red Claws. Um, you know, in training camp with Coach Stevens. You know, in practices before our season started, just trying to absorb, uh, you know, absorb everything that he was teaching at that end of the court. And then going into the G League season, our head coach, Scott Morrison, he designated roles to the staff. And myself and our former assistant, Coach Phil Gaetano, were, you know, given the defensive side of the ball. Um, four weeks into the season, we were moved towards that side of the ball. Um, we ended up finishing the year third in defensive rating, um, you know, and just being out there, just, you know, being able to make that – defense our own and kind of teach coach Stevens's principles, you know, like it, it worked, like it was, it was dominant. Um, and it all made each principle, you know, there's a reason, there's a why behind it, you know, why we close out no middle, no paint, you know, why we whip to ice uh, pitch games, why, you know, why we whip to ice pin downs, you know, why we trail flares, everything has its purpose and reason. And just, you know, at the end of the day, everybody in college, you guys' goal is to try to make it to the highest level possible, whether it is the NBA or overseas. Um, and, you know, we're, our job is to try to put you in the best positions to be successful. And so teaching you guys those principles and those schemes and those terminology, that separates you from other players. 
Um, you know, and then the offensive side of the ball, you mentioned handbacks and things like that, you know, being able to show y'all film of how those guys play and then teaching you guys how to do it. It's just, you know, it, the, the goal is to get to the highest level. So now, obviously, you guys mentioned recruiting earlier and being able to evaluate talent. Obviously, nowadays, the name of the game is transfer portal. And obviously, you know, you've mentioned me and Drew and uh, also, obviously, Kamar McKnight and Kobe Thomas, who me and Drew played with. And, you know, through the years, we've been able to get, you know, a plethora of transfers to, you know, Coppice State. I mean, just Coach Charles, I mean, to talk a little bit about how you guys have kind of adjusted the philosophy in the past couple of years or, you know, um, how you guys have kind of been able to have success um, through the transfer portal um, at Coppice State. Well, what I would tell you, again, is just understanding what it is you're looking for, right? I think a lot of programs don't know what their principles are, what they, they want in the player, what they need in the player, what they're looking to develop out of a player. And just being so strong-rooted in our foundation and our core, right? We know we want guards are going to be able to play and pick and roll, hit the pocket. We want bigs that are versatile, not just able to shoot the basketball or space the floor, but being great passers, right? being mobile so being able to identify your core and what it is that you want makes it a little bit easier to weed through it right I used to say all the time that MIAC is a transfer league but since the transfer portal came in everybody every league is a transfer league you know what I mean and uh, I think more so for us our success in the transfer portal has been able to really connect with the young man and the individual because there, there's a, a ton of college basketball players and in the same vein a lot of these young men can be overlooked at their certain programs, right? Can be underutilized. And like Coach John said, being able to see on film, like he's a better shooter than, than, than his numbers show, right? Or, may, or maybe he's more versatile than the position that in which his coaching staff put him in. And being able to speak to, hey, we want to teach you the game at the highest level, right? If everyone's goal is to play in the NBA, why wouldn't you teach the game like they do, right? It's sometimes it's really sad to see a five-star recruit that was a one and done. Looks so lost in the NBA. Looks so lost because, after all, they're all, they're all great athletes, right? Most of them are a better shooter than most. Most of them are dynamic. But it's the mental piece separates you, right? Being able to w walk into a workout and know what playing 3v3 out of split game means. Like, that's huge. Being able to know how to ice severe. Being able how to troll whip. Like, those things there are so important because you're seeing on, on a national level, even coaches in the NBA that win, if they don't win to the level in which the organization wants them to win, they get fired, right? Or they part ways, whichever term you want to add to it. So they don't have time. They don't, like Coach John hammers this home all the time. Guys, teams don't have time to constantly go over concepts. You have to walk in with some type of knowledge. And I believe Coach Dixon's cachet really goes a long way. All right, you guys know he played for Coach Dixon. His ability to relate, to, to take off some burden, and just to say, like, I've been to the mountaintop, which he has. He's won the national championship. All right, it was a lottery pick. He's been there. So a lot of those things play a great factor in why we've had success in the transfer court. It, one, one thing, too, with the recruiting and, you know, evaluating and seeing that somebody's able to do something, you know, maybe at a higher level than how they were utilized at their school. I'm going to flip this thing on you, Drew and Ace, because both y'all were transfers that we recruited. You know, Drew, you know, specifically being somebody that wasn't really allowed to dribble the ball, you know, was viewed as a, as a foreman um, to then, you know, us believing that you could handle. Now, over in Costa Rica, you got, they got you playing a point. So, I don't, you guys want to touch on, you know, that, you know, from that, from your own personal perspective, that'd be pretty cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing for me was like, I mean, and, and I think I've only told this to a handful of people, man. I don't even know if I don't even know if I ever told you guys this, man. But I talk I talked to um my my folks, my aunt Patrick like Reggie about this, but I'll never forget, man. Like I I, I remember the when I first came up to Copman to, to work out, you know, that that first week when I was up there working out with you guys, man. And um I never forget, man, we were doing the raps, the hardest series, the top of the key, and to the three. And I was like, yeah, man, like, you know, this is what, what you're going to be doing when you come into Copper State next year, man. Like, I feel like I got, I got so much better in that week that I was working out. Like, it was it was crazy. Like, I was just like, damn, you know, I got I got this much better in a week. Like, imagine what I could do, you know, in a year of working out and playing like this, man. I, I never forget, man, like, I left the gym, and then uh, you and Coach Juan called me, like, on three-way. I was in the car, and he was like, yo, man, I really think you could play, like, in the league. Like, there's no reason why you can't be, you know, like like, like a Joe Harris or the type of guy like that, that's, you know, coming in, catching and shoot, um, playing in pitch games, getting to your floater. And like, I really think that, that that you could play at the next level, man. And I remember after that phone call, like, I literally, like, started crying. Like, I was like, dang, yo, like, you know, it was, I was obviously coming off a tough year at, at Quinnipiac where like I redshirted that year. And like, I kind of played it whether basketball, I was even going to be able to play professional basketball period, like overseas or, or anywhere. Like I was like, damn man, maybe I should just focus on my journalism stuff and try to go that route, man. And, like to hear like you and coach John, the whole staff, like believe in me, like to say you, like we think you can play in the league. You know what I'm saying? Like that was, that was all I needed to hear. You know what I'm saying? And obviously that, that kind of translated to the court because I had confidence, you know, and you guys instilled that confidence in me tenfold, you know, and even this year being able to watch Tark, man, like I'm watching him make it, make it reads I never seen him make, you know, shooting sidestep threes. Like, man, I played with Tark back in, in Gatorsburg in Montgomery County. Tark couldn't shoot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm seeing Tark, man, do all these things. I'm like, I've never seen him do that before, man. And even myself, man, like, I developed a, a post game, my post fadeaway, and I'm doing moves out here now. Coach Riga playing as a pro, I never did in my life. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's just crazy, man. Like what what can happen when when one, yeah, you have a coaching staff that really believes in you, like believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I think that that, that just does wonders for a player, man. I, it's, it's like now, man, I feel like I have a newfound life in my whole basketball career. Like, I think I can replay really this game for years and years. You know, when at one point, I wasn't even sure if this was going to be something that I could do at all, you know? So that's one thing that I always, like, take my hat off to, to, to you. Um, you guys, man, obviously the, the staff at Copper State, and you too, Coach Johnson, for putting in the, the work with me in the gym. And, you know, Coach Charles always there as well, man. And Coach Juan, you know, give, just give me that confidence. Like, I feel what it does, man. Coach, coach going to get mad if you don't shoot it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, I think that that's, that's something, man, that I can always say, man, about, about you guys, man, that it's like, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's to a point where it's like, you know, it makes you emotional, man, to have somebody and have coaches that really believe in you that much. And I know for a fact that there's a lot of people around the country that can't say that. You know, they have coaches that kind of hold them back or, you know, they, they scared, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, that's something that I'll, I'll never, never forget, man, from my time at Coppin. No doubt, man. And listen, that's that's why we do this. This is so cool. I appreciate you sharing that story because you definitely had told, told us that before. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, just helping guys reach their full potential, you know, that belief in them that they can do something that maybe even they don't necessarily have that same belief in themselves at this point. Um, and you are going to have a long professional career. You're just scratching the surface. Um, you know, you're killing it in Costa Rica and you're going to keep progressing up and, you know, we're in the gym every day when you're when it's off season. 
So yeah, yeah. absolutely, man, the, the sweat equity. And and I had to touch on that with, with Coach John. And, and sometimes I get irritated with him. So I'm like, yo, dude, you got a family, bro. Just stay your ass at home. Like, you know, enjoy the family. Like, you know, stay your ass at home. But just the sweat equity, man, and the work, right? We have a saying. Like, we might not get a five-star, but we damn sure going to develop a five-star. Right? And, and, we're, and we're very proud of that and incredibly proud of that because it's about you guys. That's, that's purpose. Like, being able to see Kamar McKnight signed to a pro team, that, that's awesome. And, and, and him, him texting, like, man, you guys had me so prepared. That's awesome. Like, being able to see Chad Andrews Fulton have a 20 and 20 game, right? <laughs> that, that's amazing. Like, like, think about that. Like, these are what we call diamond in the rough. Right, guys that might have gone under the radar, but man, they're progressing in their professional careers, man. So thank you for sharing a little antidote. That was that was great to hear. Now, shoot, thank you guys, man. Shoot, man. Like I gotta say, y'all, y'all believed in me. Why didn't even believe in myself, man? So that's how we always gonna be family. For sure. Now <clears throat> we talked a lot about the success that we've had, you know, obviously coming from you know year one where you guys won just five games, and then obviously this year. Well, you guys were the, the regular team champions in the MIAC North. I mean, what is your what is you guys go? I'll give you guys you know, each you know maybe five six words you know or, or you know a sentence or two to just say about your goals for the program. You know where you want to see it go from here. Where do you guys think the program you know uh, can go next year and then hopefully you know in, in the next five or so years uh, at Coppin State. So I'll keep it to that five or six words. Win the MIAC, go to the NCAA tournament, rinse and repeat. That's I mean that's the vision. NCAA tournament. And repeat. It's really that simple. Um, you've won the regular season. You've proven that you can win in the non-conference and compete with anybody. NCAA tournament. We we got We got to go dance. We got to march on. Definitely got to dance, sir, man. Well, and I I, I want to ask you guys. Um, I'm going to ask you guys, man, because Coach John, you mentioned this, and Coach Charles, you also mentioned it earlier. Um, on that win last year, and I want to go back to kind of our win our senior year at Lower Chicago, um, and just. How, like, obviously seeing what they did this year, making the Sweet 16, and that team was, I think, a year or two removed from the Final Four. I remember, obviously, Lucas Williamson was still there. Crowley was still there. Like, those guys that played on that Final Four team. Um, and they're us being able to go on the road and, and get that win, man. But can you kind of talk about for you guys as coaches, man, like, thinking back to that game. I remember we just come off that huge loss to Virginia Tech. Um, but what, what was that moment like for you guys, man, just for the program, for you guys? And obviously what we were also able to do, getting that one over, you know, ECU on the road, which was a, you know, uh, American Conference team. That was obviously, you know, a big time win as well, man. But just talk about, you know, that moment, you know, for you guys, uh, what that kind of win meant to you guys and, 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 and for the program as well. Yeah, man. I mean, so first I remember us flying in, right, driving an hour uh, to practice yeah. at 8 p.m. at Loyola, Chicago, you know, going to their practice facility, it, it's like negative 15 out. It's snow everywhere. We're walking into the facility. And y'all were locked in, right? Like, we we did our big little. We went through our drill groups. We walked through a couple of their actions, you know, make sure we were on point with our high state highs and how we were going to guard all their Princeton stuff. And, I mean, you know, the next day in film, you know, shoot around was great. We got shots up. We focused on us. Um, and we're in film. And we're, t- you know, they're talking about these rips and we're going to high stay high with the corner guy. You know, we're going to war block any of their split actions into high stay highs. And we're just going to take them out of everything that they're going to do. And you guys are so locked in asking the right questions, you know, understanding the personnel, you know, how they forget his name, but they had the non-shooter, the ace, I believe you started off guarding and you were going, we were going under on all of his actions. It really cool. Yeah, a guac. Uh, yeah. A guac. Like a guac. There it is. Number 30. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so you guys were locked in and it just, to be honest, you don't even think in a moment, like we were, what were we all in 32 at that point, non-conference in our yeah. two years. And it's, you know, the game starts, you know, we're, we're right there. We're competing with them. We're executing you know, we're down seven at the half. Come in, we make a run. Then we actually get a, one of our players gets two tech, <laughs> right back up to seven. And like, we just kept chipping away, chipping away. Um, you guys were aggressive. I mean, ace, I remember two big time threes off of ISOs versus their switches, you know, in the second half, you know, two for two, only two shots you took. Big time <laughs> shots. Um, and then just down the stretch, fouling up three twice. We, we executed it. We made our free throws and we took care of business. And then when it was all done, it's like, oh my goodness, not only did we just get a non-conference win, this is a team that, you know, top 100, you know, RPI, you know, has the final four experience, Cameron Crutwig, you know, talent across the board. Um, and then they go on and win the Sweet 16 this year. It just, you know, I think that propelled us to the fashion in which we won, you know, a close game that we, honestly, they ice, they high, stay high. We executed what they do better than them. And the coach would tell you, said that to us, like you guys just beat us. You outplayed us. So I don't know, Coach Charles, that was your scout. If you want to hit on that, that was big time. Held us man, man. I tell you what, it was just, it was just the preparedness and the togetherness, right? Because as a, as a staff, man, we were locked in because we, we thought we had a good chance simply because we work against ISIS and high state highs every single day, right? We guard split actions every single day. That, that's similar to what we do, right? And I think you young men as a team were just so locked in. And Coach John talks about before we even, this is 24 hours before we even played the game. Flying in, it was so cold. It was miserable, right? We had a, a, a long practice, longer than we usually do, right, on a day of travel. But just you guys were here, right? And then as as the game went along and as we fought adversity, we stayed together, right? That was a really good team we beat. And Coach John said that we out-executed that team, period. It's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We out-executed that team. And I thought I told Coach John prior to the game, like, man, I think we have a really good chance of winning the game just because of the way you guys were focused. Like, it was a laser focus, right? And and the way in which we won just helped propel us moving forward, man. So a lot of kudos to you guys. Um, now, I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, Coach Charles, obviously you have a unique, you know, role uh, as you are, you know, a young African-American assistant. And, you know, obviously this year, um, there was an increase, obviously, in the amount of African-Americans that had the opportunity to become head coaches, um, 50, a little more than 50% of the openings um, this year went to African-American coaches. I mean, oftentimes, as an assistant coach, as an African-American assistant coach, you know, look at it, you know, a recruiter, you know, like, like your job is to get me players. I don't want you, you know, doing X's and O's and, you know, or, or I want you to be a player development guy. I mean, talk to me a little bit about your experience, you know, as an assistant coach, you know, kind of navigating that and, you know, what yeah. your experience has been like, you know, here at Cobb State and just, just, you know, just having this in the back of your head as an African-American uh, assistant coach. Well, you know, I, I am so fortunate and blessed to be at Cobb State with Coach Austin and Coach Dixon, right, because it was never once about recruiting or about development. It was truly about them pouring into me and making me a better basketball mind, right, and I'm forever grateful for them for that. I told um, – actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll say that, but I, I told them a couple of weeks ago, like, man, you guys have completely changed my outlook on college basketball, right? I'm, I'm watching NCAA tournament, no disrespect. I'm like, man, this, some of this basketball is hard to watch. And it's not because they're defensive juggernauts, 
Like some some of the basketball is just hard to watch, right? But the way that Coach Dixon and Coach John and Coach Phil are poured into me, right, as far as helping my basketball acumen, I'm forever grateful for that. Like I never came in a situation as I had to be the recruiter to play. No, I, I just had to be Charles, right? I, I had a big personality. I have a big personality. I, I call myself like a staple in the community because I, and Coach John and I laugh, laugh about that just because like I think I'm the gap bridger. Right. I'm able to communicate with parents, with, with administration and um, able to relate. Right. Being 28, I'm not too old that, that I'm disconnected. Right. But I'm not young enough to do any anything silly. But as far as the openings and the opportunity go, man, it's it's refreshing to see. Right. Because you, you think of guys like Hubert Davis right, to be the first ever African-American head coach at UNC. And at first I was kind of like, yeah, Hubert Davis. And then Coach John actually let me know, like, yo, bro, he's the first ever black coach at UNC. I'm like, that's that's unbelievable. Right? You think of guys like Earl Grant at Boston College, right? Phenomenal. Right? Done a great job of college at Charleston. Keem English, right? Who's right up the road. Right? And the interesting thing about those three hires, they weren't quote-unquote hired in HBCU conferences. Right? Just talk about two ACC guys and an A-10 guy. And it's just opportunity, right? I think a lot of times black assistants are prepared. They just need the opportunity, right? I'm not saying every black assistant is going to be a head coach. Most of them don't want to be head coaches, right? Some of them are really happy with the roles that they're in. But for the ones that do want to elevate, it is great to have them have something to piggyback on. Like, well, if if so-and-so can do it, if he paid his quote-unquote dues and did it the right way, then I can do it. Right. And I think it just shows that if you're prepared, if you're ready and the times and the tides in which we're in, that opportunity will present itself and just being prepared for it. Now, um, I want to ask you, because um, there was actually a, a tweet. Jeff Goodman had a panel um, of HBCU coaches from the SWAC, you know, the MEAC, um, and they were all some of the coaches. And, you know, he was asking them, what does he think, you know, is going to take for the MEAC and just for HBCU basketball to kind of take that next step and kind of be – um, more prevalent, you know, across the the nation. You know, obviously we have, you know, Coach Dixon, who's an NBA player, coaching at Coppin State. You got Mo Williams, who's an NBA alum at Alabama State. But for you, I mean, there's talent, obviously, in the MEAC and, and within the HBCUs. Um, what do you think it's going to take for kind of these leagues to continue to take that next step to kind of get the, the notoriety that, that it deserves? So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Coach Moten was actually talking about, you know, the search firms and how, you know, People, it comes across like they're looked down upon the the MEAC, you know, head coaches. Um, you know, you got Coach Jones and Coach Moten win seventy percent of their games every single year, right? And like, where are their opportunities for their them to further progress their careers? You know, and I say this with the with all due respect, like Coach Ritter, I'm sure is a great coach, um, you know, and completely deserving of his opportunity at at UT Martin. But like, even you have a team this year, and he gets another head coaching job, you know, which I'm sure he's deserving of, but, you know, Coach Moe and Coach Jones and Coach Coach Dixon is really, you know, progressing this program at a place that it's not easy to win at. So I think just continuing to have success, um, you know, continuing to have people speak out on, you know, like Coach Moten did by addressing, you know, the, the lack of, you know, even opportunity to get into the door with search firms, you know, and – actually, you know, having being given those opportunities to interview and show just how knowledgeable they are about the game. And now they, they're able to build a culture and recruit at that level, um, you know, and build a sustainable winning program. So. 
Now, obviously, you know, Common State, you know, programs like, like you know, Norfolk State and, and obviously Central and A&T, right, she's not moving to the Big South. I mean, there's obviously, you know, tons of successful HBCU programs and, and great head coaches, great players um, you know, that are coming from these schools. So, I, you know, just hope that people, you know, will continue to advocate and continue to get the word out and so that, that, you know, the league and the players can continue to get, you know, notoriety that, that you know, that, that they deserve um, at all of these schools, man. But... Unfortunately, we're running a little bit low on time, man. So I just wanted to thank you guys again, man. This has been super, super fun, man. And to have you guys on and to reminisce, man. And like Drew said, man, definitely want to thank you guys again, you know, for not only, you know, taking a chance on me and Drew, but for allowing us to be able to have a year to play together, man, to have fun and, you know, be able to come back at our hometown, man. And definitely, as you guys know, we're always rooting for you guys and we'll always help in any way that we can, man. So definitely want to thank you guys again for coming on today. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having us. Drew, I'm going to be tuned in tonight. Appreciate you, man. Right. Thank you, Drew. Let's get it, Drew. Let's get it, buddy. Get you, Ace, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate, yeah, appreciate you, Ace. You guys keep doing your thing, man. We'll, we'll be back for them, for them scary hours in the gym real soon, Coach John. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, guys. All right, guys. All righty, guys. That was Coach John Austin, the associate head coach at Coppin State, and Coach Charles Agumago, assistant coach at Coppin State. As we said, Drew and I, former coaching staff while we were at Coppin State, man, great guys. They got a great program down at Coppin State. So definitely fun to do some reminiscing, man, to be able to, you know, share some old stories and talk about that program and the MEAC and HBCUs in general and, and the success that they've had, you know, over in that direction. Uh, for sure, man. If y'all haven't got over to Copper State, man, watch some games, man. Go back, you know what I'm saying, log in a synergy, you know, do whatever y'all got to do and go watch some games, man, because definitely some special things brewing down there in, in West Baltimore, man. And, you know what I'm saying, keep an eye out for Anthony Target, man. It's going to be a sleeper, you know, following his, his pro career, man, whether he gets in the league, high level overseas, man, I think he's a guy that can have a, a long, long pro career, man. So definitely, you know, tune in and watch out for his younger brother, Nenda, as well, man. It's going to be, you know, a household name in college basketball real, real soon. That's a fact, man. You heard it from here. Heard it from Drew first, man. I mean, if you guys are tuning in to Cobb State basketball, big things ahead for the Eagles over there in West Baltimore, man. As always, this has been another episode of the Auto Bid. Make sure you guys are liking this podcast, giving us a rating, subscribing to this podcast wherever you tune in. Uh, make sure you engage with us on social media. You know, leave us a comment, a like, man. It does go a long way. Also, make sure you're tuning in to my guy, Pull Up Tay's music. His new project, Life Ain't Fair, is out on all platforms. Make sure you guys are giving my man some streams. And for right now, I'm going to let my guy, Pull Up Tay, take us out with some music. Until next week, folks, this has been another episode of The Auto Bed. Get it check, boy. Check, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitten on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talk about? Take your best shot. I'ma take your last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.